Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this podcast is your guide to start creating a lifestyle by design. From entrepreneurship, money and finance, taxes and residencies, and everything in between, this show highlights the nuances of a true global citizen lifestyle. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. So in today's Digital Nomad Digest episode, Cami and I are going to be diving into some of our travel hacks, tips, and tricks that we have learned over the years of traveling as global citizens, as digital nomads. I wanted, and I wanted to talk about this topic because as I was mentioning to Cami off air, something literally happened to me last week. And I was like, this is so interesting that I am basically the only person on this flight who knows how this works. So we were taking a flight. It was like a five hour flight from the capital of Chile to the capital of Peru. And this flight, and this has never happened to us, which I'm surprised after so many years of traveling, but the flight was overbooked. We've never had a flight that was overbooked. And we were maybe, unfortunately, one of the first people to check in. We got there right on time. I had to pay for the baggage and I knew that. So we got there pretty early and we checked in. And as we were checking in and there was a huge line behind us, keep in mind, like we were probably the first like 20 or 30 people to check in. And as we go to check in, he tells us, oh, there's a problem. And I can see online that I have a seat, but I bought the ticket for my partner and I. So in the booking, there was two seats that should have been had. I had a seat, but my partner didn't, which I thought was weird because we were on the same book. And so he looks at it further in the system and he sees, oh, the flight has been overbooked. So I have a seat and he doesn't. And I'm like, I'm not going to fly without him. So he hands us off to somebody else. And she lets us know that they have put us on a list and they're going to let us know in 30 minutes if we are going to be able to fly or not. And we're not the first people on this list. She did say we were like top five or eight people on the list. So we were kind of in the upper categories, but we weren't number one or two on this list. We were thinking there might be a chance that we're not going to fly. I was so shocked because immediately I asked her, what is the compensation if we don't? My partner did not know about this. It appears to me that nobody else on this flight knew that you could actually get compensated pretty well too from the airline if they overbooked. So if it was they're doing and they overbooked the flight, it would they would somehow reimburse you. I asked them, you know, what is the reimbursement like? And she actually didn't even know the woman at the counter. So that goes to show like how often people are asking this question. She had to go ask. She comes back. She tells us it was $200 a day for each for however many days that we would be left without a flight. They would pay for our hotel. They would pay for the transport to and from the airport. And they would also pay to book the flight to Peru in a few days time, whatever the next flight with availability was. And so to me, I thought that's a pretty good deal. You know, we were we had friends in Santiago. It was Saturday night. They were going to be going out that night. We had no reason to be in Peru that exact day or the next day or the following day. We didn't need to be there for a specific reason. And so we started thinking, you know, like, why not do that? We'll be in a hotel we'll get paid by the day. We can go see our friends tonight. We can stay a few more days in Chile. And it was looking like a pretty appealing option, quite honestly. But it was so interesting to me that 
nobody else, it appeared to me at least, nobody else knew that airlines would compensate you. I mean, of course, the woman who was working at the counter didn't even know what the compensation was. And so we were hearing the people as we're waiting in line to hear if we're going to be on the flight or not. We were listening to the people who were in front of us and they were all so angry, so angry. And they started, of course, in Spanish, but they started getting really mad that they couldn't get on the flight. They were like, I paid for this flight. I know what you're doing. It was really funny, you know, the way that they were just trying to get on this flight. Whereas my partner and I are just kind of sitting back like, hey, you can have our seats if you need them. Like we have no reason to be in Peru right now. And so it was really interesting to me just to see the difference of, of course, all airlines offer some sort of compensation if they have overbooked it. But I think a lot of people who are Canadian, American, Western, they know about this, especially in the last few years. It's become, you know, we see it in media outlets and on social media. We know that this is a thing, but a lot of people in a lot of countries still don't know that this is a possibility. Again, if it's the airline's fault, if they are the ones who overbooked the flight. So I found that really interesting and a really good hack that you may know, but I want to reiterate that because it was really shocking to me that my partner didn't know. And we've been traveling the world full time for almost three years now. Nobody else on this flight knew. And instead, they were getting angry at the agent who really had no control and wasn't the person that overbooked the flight. So I found that that was really interesting. Unfortunately, there ended up being room on the plane. And, you know, I guess that's why they overbooked the flights, because the seats, the two seats beside me were both empty. So I think and then the baggage was also really expensive. It was basically the same if you check the bag versus if you bring a carry on with wheels on the flight. They were making you pay the same amount of money. I guess it, it was a budget airline, but I guess that they now don't let you carry like a, a suitcase with wheels as a carry on. A few people just didn't get on the flight for that reason. I had two seats beside me that were totally empty, but we were we literally went up to the woman at the counter and we were like, look, if somebody else needs the seats, like we're happy to stay here and they can take the seats. And she was like, no, no, it's OK. You're on the list to fly. They, you know, they've sorted it out. Not everybody showed up for the flight. So really interesting story. And I wanted to really just reiterate the importance of knowing the rules, knowing the laws of the flights. Cammy, I think you have a story that pertains to that. Yeah, as well. I, I love that you're telling this story because. Whenever I am flying, I normally like pray to God that I get overbooked. It's like one of my secret dreams is to get overbooked because I have known from other people's stories how much fits you get, like all of the payments, the like the hotels, the transports, like everything they get you get from it from the airline. So yeah, I think that with Air, airplanes there's so much and travel in general there's so much compensation that you can get if it's not your fault and a lot of people don't know that I actually have two stories on getting compensation from airlines so the first one is last year I was traveling to London with this company that's called Wiz Air is like really really shitty low cost company and I remember that I was traveling from Hania to London so from Crete Greece to London it was a I think a three hour flight or something like that and one hour or like one hour and a half before the flight they just send me a message on my phone saying your flight was canceled period it wasn't like your flight was canceled but you were rebooked to whatever no it was like your flight was canceled period and I was like one hour before the flight like oh okay like great what the fuck do I do now you know 
And I remember that I tried to call like the call center and everything. I was really stressed because I was going to visit a friend. No one was picking up on that hellhole. There is no way that you can talk to them, you know? So it's like, ah, you go, you, you enter this, this like rabbit hole of trying to get in contact with them through the, like through the app, trying to get someone's email or someone on the phone. It's impossible. No one works there as a customer service that's like a real person, I think. I don't know. Anyways, eventually I saw that for the compensation to start off with, I was so pissed that my first reaction was they have to get me on on another flight. So then I started kind of like calming down and researching about it and everything. And then I realized that, first of all, not only would they have to pay for a new flight, they would have to pay for any flight that I decide to fly. So if I decided to pay 600 euros on a flight instead of 80 they would have to pay that money back they would have to refund me from that from that previous flight and also they owed me a compensation of x amount of euros depending on how long the flight was and how the cancellation was handled so when like there are multiple websites that you can research that but after a long thorough research in their own website and with the rules on like airways and things like that and airplanes i realized that they owed me a compensation of five of 400 euros like just for free quote unquote just by having canceled the flight and because my flight was like more than three hours or something like that and it's like depending on the kilometers that you're going to fly they owe you a compensation so if someone cancels if the airline cancels a flight with and it's their fault and they're not trying to rebook you or something like that then they owe you a compensation that's first of all so you are allowed to go after that compensation Um, and then second of all they are obligated to pay for your new flight and they're also obligated to pay you your to reimburse you or to like do the compensation of like your new flight minus the, the 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 value that you paid what happened with me was that like this is all good you know to know However, it took me one year to finally get that money back. So I spent, and I remember that at that time that I was going to visit my friend, it was the same week the queen died. So everyone was trying to go to London. So when I was going to buy a new plane ticket, I was like, I'm not going to buy a plane ticket from fucking Wizz Air. So I went and bought one from British. It cost me 500 euros. I paid. And I was like, I'm going to get this money back. I paid this money in September of 2022. It took one year. Literally, I just received the money in August 2023. However, they did reimburse me the 80 euros that I first spent on their account, like with their money on Wiz Air. So they did refund me for that. They refunded me for the plane ticket. And I also got a compensation through air travel. They got like some percentage of it, but fuck it. Like I just got the money for free. So in the end, after one year, that that travel and like that trip ended up being free for me. But it came one year later. It's annoying. It's really, really annoying because I spent one year without that money. And people kept telling me like, give up, like you won't see that money back and everything. I was like, I am fucking going to see this money. I'm Brazilian. I want this money. I will see the life of it. I will see the face of it. So I really went after it. I wasn't like giving it up, giving up. I, every three months I would check in on the website and everything. So my travel hack is like every time that a, a flight company is, it's it, every time it's their fault, you have a certain compensation. Like 
even something something that people don't know if your flight is delayed depending on the amount of hours that it's delayed you have a certain compensation as well either your compensation is like like money for food in the airport or a percentage of how much you're paying so depending on how long the flight is delayed you have a certain compensation so make sure that you are going on the airline web page and seeing like making and checking it out and everything like when i was coming back from the south of france the train was delayed we got 25% off on the ticket that we spent because the the train was delayed every time that's like a transportation and it's their fault or something like that you normally have a compensation the problem is that people they sleep on it and they're not like really aware of it and so if you don't ask you won't get it because they also know that you know they use that so you have like they they didn't offer me they didn't tell me like you have a compensation of 400 euros like no one told me that you know i had to like go and look for it in the small letters of the website of like someone's like really random website of the rules of airplanes you know and then i found out that i had this compensation that brings up a really a, a point that i forgot out of that last story i shared that's really crucial and i mean that story is so crazy of yours i'm so happy that you got the money back so happy i would also be that person like it's not about the money it's about the principle after you know one two three months of like i i am that person my partner is not he's like the money is gone it's lost i'm like no no it's the principle like, fuck no that's it's just about how the I am money as a person. but 100%, yeah. give me my money back i'm i'm just like i don't want them to keep that money like it's it's money yeah but they are not having it is more important to me than i have it but anyways so one thing i forgot to i left out out of the last story that i the first story i shared was that we realized as we're waiting in line and people are fighting and getting really angry with the agent who has no control over anything quite honestly we realized that they can't say anything about the compensation because they didn't offer it to us. I had to say, what's the compensation? They weren't offering it to anybody. They were being yelled at. They were nodding. They were, you know, like it was almost kind of like a half smile as they're being yelled at because they have no control over this. Like yelling at a, just a ticket agent who's supposed to check your bags in is not going to solve anything. They have no power over anything. And so we realized they, they're not offering this deal to anybody. You have to actually know about it. And nobody knew about it except Quite honestly, I think I was the only person who knew about it on that. There's another thing that happens on flights as well that I think that people, all people know. And whenever I talk to my friends that like were flying and this happened to them, they were like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. And I was like, yeah. So when you are flying with a company and they break your baggage, if you see it before you exit the airport, like before you exit, not even the airport, like the baggage claim, if you see it before, they are obligated to either one refund you the full amount of what you paid, even if you don't know it, like find it on the internet. You don't even have to have the sleep, like the payment sleep. One time I even said like it was 80 euros. It wasn't even 80 euros. And they paid me like 80 euros. You know, they were like, okay, 80 euros, you know. Or if it's like a Samsonite or something like that, you find it on the internet. You say, look, this is my bag. This is how much you owe me. They have to pay it. So they have to uh, reimburse you for the entire full amount of the bag or second they have to give you a new bag so sometimes they will give you a new bag on the airport on the spot and sometimes the bag that they will give you is even better so you can even choose i think at some point like no i don't want this bag i want a refund instead of the bag or something like that 
They just have to give you a solution. They are obligated to do that. What happens a lot is that either people, they, again, sleep on this and they check their bags only when they get to their hotels or their house. And then they can't ask for the refund anymore because then, yes, they are correct in the sense that maybe you are breaking it like on the way from the airport to your house or something like that. So you have to say it while you are still in the baggage claim area but then they are obligated to do that like i've gotten refunds from that my partner has gotten refunds from that for, from that it's really they don't even question you a lot for that they just blindly like accept that they did something wrong even if you broke your your bag before and it shows up broken there you can still get your refunds yes so that that's really interesting i've actually had a bag broken in an airport before i think it was in mexico and like the wheel was like completely taken off and it was a cheap one. So I didn't really care. Now my bag is like a thousand dollars. So I would be pissed and I do have the receipt. But I'm curious, like, how would they know that it wasn't broken before? Well, like, they don't say that. So like there are some people that even if it was broken before, I'll dispatch it. I think that if it's really broken, then they probably do put a warning or something like while you are checking it, where you are checking it in. But if it's not like super clearly, like it will just break more. It was their fault in some way. I have never experienced coming up with these complaints. And like my partner has complained about this because there was a period that he was traveling. Every time he traveled, his bag would break. It was like different bags. Every time he traveled, like a bag would break. He was like going through this curse of breaking bags. Every time that he would complain, they would get, either he would get a new bag or he would get reimbursed. So this has never not worked. I think that it's so much like within their policy. And to be fair, when I complained about my baggage breaking in the baggage claim, it wasn't like the people who are working. But this is something that I think about quite often because I know that how they mistreat bags. So I keep thinking to myself, is it worth worth it to spend that much money on like a good packing bag because i would rather spend and this is maybe maybe a travel hack i don't know i think to myself that i'd rather spend a lot of money in a in a carry-on bag just a side note there is this bag company that i'm obsessed with that's called b-e-i-s they're so beautiful and i and they're like quite expensive and i really wanted to buy like their like trio so I wanted to get like the check-in bag, the carry-on bag, and I wanted to get this thing that they call the weekender, the weekender, weekend, weekend, weekender. I don't know. So it's like a bag that it's super, super pretty, that fits a lot of things. They have like an underneath kind of pouch. It's just really beautiful and they all have the same color and everything. And I really, and then my dad, the skeptical, he said, Camille, like, why are you going to spend 600 euros on a bag that it's probably going to break because they're going to mistreat it so much and going to get a bunch of scratches and everything. You're better off with like getting an okay bag, like not a shitty one, but not like a super good one and just keep like changing it when they break it with the refund that you're probably going to get from the company and then get yourself like a good carry on that you're not going to probably keep checking in and then you have control over it and i keep thinking like yeah that actually makes sense although i really like the aesthetic vibe of having the three of them looking great together and taking like outfit of the day airport photo. yeah no i know i've i've thought of that too i cannot travel with more than one luggage though like i refuse to have a carry-on and i just have my backpack because it's it's too much like I'm not carrying two suitcases so for me I was like I'm just gonna invest in 
it's funny because my partner put it I wasn't going to invest in like a crazy expensive one. And it, it's it's like the company that makes Swiss yeah. Army Knife. I don't know the name of it, but it's like a really like it's a sturdy bag. And so I was like, I'm not going to invest in it. And then he was like, this is our vehicle. You know, like we don't have a car, but like this is our car because we travel so often. And I was like, OK, that makes sense. And I had all of these shitty bags and then they just kept breaking. And then I was in different countries and then I'd have to like find a suitcase in another country. And even for a crappy one, it would be like, one or two hundred because they're so overpriced and I was like I just want to buy a good one and they have like a year warranty and then they have a 10-year I think like repair warranty so the warranty is pretty good and I mean hey if it ever does break in the airport but they they definitely do mistreat them like it already has like some deep scratches on the plastic and I've only used it in the airport like four times probably since I bought it but yeah it's good to know about this policy one other thing that I did want to bring up before we end off is a really interesting flight time tracker. Not not tracker, but kind of like how far in advance you should be booking your flights for the best price. And I was on a webinar and they shared this. And I thought this was so interesting and they've done the research because I've never seen this before. So it was saying, if you're going to be flying in the spring, book your flight about 40 days before you plan to leave. And in the spring, it will likely be half price if you book it 40 days before. In the summer, book it 20 days before you depart on your flight or before you're planning to depart, book it it 20 days before. It'll be about 30% cheaper on average. In the fall, if you're going to be flying in the fall, 20 days before a flight, you want to book it and then it'll be about half price again. So spring and fall are both half price. And then in the winter, book it 20 days before a a flight and it'll be about 43% cheaper. So I found that really interesting. So spring, book it way longer 40 days before a flight which I hear not that I'm an expert in booking travel but I hear you know like around two ish months is a good time we start booking our flights sometimes like five months and they're actually you would think it's cheaper the further out but no I'll check the date and it'll be you know like five months out it's a bit more expensive three months out it's cheaper and then one month out it's usually a lot pricier but I guess it depends on when you're actually booking those flights and also where you're going to and how far you're traveling I love that but I have a question for you because and I don't know if you know how to answer this but for example I am going to Brazil in April so April for me for like European it will be spring but for Brazil it will be so do I consider that I'm booking it in spring or in autumn because it's like the southern hemisphere and then like is that also for like long really long haul flights you know like it's for Mm. where you're leaving from so if you're leaving from france and it's spring and it's a round trip obviously if you're like going back i feel like it's from where you're departing would make sense i would say like probably the spring but again i'm not an expert this is just kind of what they were going off of what i usually do is when i know i'm going to be going somewhere i'll check depending how far in advance we know but it could be like three to four to five months in advance and then I start looking at the prices and then I'll wait a little bit and then I start looking at the prices but faithfully faithfully what I find it it is less than 30 days so maybe this goes against I don't know what the what they said on the webinar but I always find if it's 30 or like 31 days so basically one month or less the price always goes up if I book it 33 days it'll be less expensive than 30 days but it's funny because like i feel like the preconceived idea is that always book it the with the maximum of months that you can but it's interesting that that's like not actual actually true 
But yeah, I'm gonna use that because if I go in April, then in spring I should be booking. Because like, as from what you said, I saw that the general rule of thumb is kind of like three months. Is that it? So like, I should be looking gen- twenty days for all the season, and then just forty days yeah. in the spring is what it says. So maybe I should be looking in like January. It does say spring and fall are you could get about half price if you book that time, whereas winter and summer. It's like a little bit less. It's not quite interesting. Does it say like days of the week? Because I know that some people are like, ah, if it's Tuesday at midnight, the prices will drop. It doesn't specifically say, but I do remember on the webinar, they mentioned that, you know, everyone says book it on a Tuesday and they said it doesn't matter. That doesn't apply anymore. They also mentioned Uh incognito also doesn't really matter anymore. It's just like book it whenever doesn't need to be incognito unless it's maybe like cash then i feel like if you're checking the flight like 10 times that might be different but just checking okay, it once or twice like doesn't matter interesting. very interesting this is a good episode talking all things how you can get some money back because it's so common unfortunately well I-, I was gonna say unfortunately but maybe actually not so unfortunately sometimes to be overbooked or to have your bag break when you're like oh that that bag was on its last leg yeah. anyways so i needed a new one you know or it's like i have nowhere to be like i don't need it to be in lima on this day it was also on like a saturday or a sunday so i was like i don't need to be there just give me a hotel and transport and some money and rebook my flight like it's an adventure you know and that's another thing too i was kind of like let's just take it and like go for the adventure see what happens yeah you're losing money because you booked the airbnb or the hotel it's fine like they're compensating you so it's an adventure and that's how I try to look at a lot of things whereas I feel like everyone in that line probably thought that I was crazy they're like why are you not mad why do you not want to get on this flight if I saw somebody like that Mm. I would be like what do you know that I don't know because the the people working at the counter can't tell you so it's like what do you know why are you so calm why do you not want to get on this flight totally and even I would go to say that they would even, I think that if you said like, ah, this is my Airbnb, I'm losing this money, I think they would even have to compensate that. So it's like a win-win. But I understand that there are people that are really not getting the flight, you know, because they have like other flights or because they have like, I don't know, other things. Yeah, or whatever, but it to work. yeah, I think yeah. that there's always, I don't know, this is something that I've been starting to figure out a little bit more about money. We were talking about credit cards before. And we're going to have a deeper conversation about this, I feel like, but at some point. But the more aware you are and the more informed you are, the less money you're going to miss out on. And the more rewards and perks you're going to have. Let's all be really smart and knowledgeable and informed. That's such a fun topic of like credit cards, money, especially living such an international lifestyle. I literally just made a reel today. Or I made it yesterday. I posted it today about the countries where you can still, still, I don't know for how much longer, open bank accounts as a non-resident. It's like money, everything finance has become so much more restricted. I'm even in some like, not masterminds, but some different communities and whatnot that are paid where people are talking about every day about how difficult it is for not only for personal, but also for their business, which are usually located in pretty tax advantageous places. Even still, they cannot open business accounts now. Well, they can, but it's becoming they need so much more documentation that as a non-citizen, you don't necessarily have. There are ways to get around it, but it's it's so interesting, all the regulations that are coming out. So I posted a reel just talking about the few countries that are not all of them, but a few of them that you can still open a bank account where you don't need to be a resident. And it's pretty low requirement, like pretty low amount uh, or monthly transaction fees for the account, if any at all. 
So it's really interesting. And I just encourage everybody get in whatever system you can now because it probably won't last for much longer. But that's a topic for another day. So Kemi, thanks for joining me here. This It's always fun to record with you and to chat all things travel and global citizen lifestyle. And thank you for joining in for another episode. This has been our Digital Nomad Digest segment of the show with Cami and I, which is out every single Friday. We will see you in our next episode, which is out on Monday. And Cami and I will see you back here next Friday. You've just listened to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials. And of course, be sure to tag me. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me on this global citizen journey, and I'll see you in the next episode.